0: Lord willing, we're going to go see him in a few days in, uh, in his part of the country and spend some time with him, but the boys and I have had a wonderful time here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. I don't see anybody wearing a mask, yeah. and we shook hands tonight. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hallelujah. So thank you, Pastor, for letting us come. It has been a breath of fresh air, literally, uh, to spend a week uh, here and in Wyoming, and uh, camping, and, and uh, 80 below weather in the Tetons. It wasn't really, but we're from Hawaii, and then we thought it was. It was probably only about 40 degrees, but that's cold for us. It's cold for us. Good to be here tonight. A little update on the video. The video was made last year uh, to report to a supporting church there in Hawaii, so we made some references to local things, uh, the Kapilani NICU that are. Little Ethan stayed in for five weeks, is the best probably in the entire Pacific, and uh, it cost, the cost reflected on that, but God provided for that, God provided for that. Uh, I have seen God provide some things, you saw a glimpse of our home there, God provided for that, and God provides in amazing ways. Sometimes it seems like it's by a narrow margin, but it's always just enough, it's never too little. Sometimes it's overflowing, but it's never too little. Uh, so we're thankful for that. Another update on the, the video is we have another baby. He'll be six months old at the end of this month. And uh, according to my wife's uh, video that she sent, the day after we left Hawaii on the... What was the date, Joseph, we left? Samuel, what date did we leave? June, June 10th. June 10th. So June 11th, he began crawling. Hmm. And Ethan's talking now. He can say more than Bobby. He does say Mommy. I almost missed it, though. But when he'd say it, I'd say, Can you say something besides Bobby? Yes. Well, <clears throat> we do have some prayer cards back there and uh, on the table right outside this door. Also, we have some of, uh, some of these little th- um, business card-sized cards. It's a gospel tract in Chinese. It very simply... And very basically explains John 3.16 in Chinese on the back. And on the front, it has our Chinese ministry website. Chinese people can scan the QR code or go to the website and listen to Chinese preaching. It's also bilingual, so before you hand it out, if you want to know, what am I giving out? You can listen yourself. I preach bilingually every week. I preach in English and Chinese. One sentence in in English and say the same thing in Chinese as close as possible. In fact, I did that just a few hours ago through, uh, through FaceTime. <laughs> My wife put her iPad on a chair and uh, did the same thing last week. Lord willing, I'll do it next week. From the First's bedroom today, um, the, the small bedroom. is a nice quiet place. I'm very thankful for the First's visiting uh, Hawaii every year whenever they can, and they're always faithful to church. There they stay What, two hours away? I don't know how far away they stay. They stay far away and ride the bus in, and they're always a blessing to us. In fact, a term that my wife used, miracle baby, that was Mr. First's. He coined that term for Ethan, the miracle baby. And I thought, you know, that's true. He really is. So we're thankful for them. And we've been using their car this week, and uh, we got it very dirty (laughs) inside and out. We did take it to a wash. We'll take it to a vacuum tomorrow, Lord willing, or Tuesday before we leave. The brother sang that song. I haven't heard that song in quite a while. Worry, brother. Thank you for singing that. Good reminder. You saw a picture in the video of Joseph, very small, with a ball cap, looking out from a 13-story or 20-story building over the district where we planted that second church. I used to go up there and pray. We ha- I found access to the top of the buildings. And I used to go up there. Our church met in that building. And I used to get up there and pray and look out over the, not hundreds, but thousands of apartment buildings. There, are over, there were over one million people in that district when we first got there. And there was no Baptist church there that we are ever, have ever been aware of. I used to go up there and look at those buildings, knowing that we're not here to reach buildings, but people live in those buildings. And my prayer, brother, was this. Lord, as long as this church is here, let no man ever say, no man cared for my soul. I like the emphasis. I like the... The the maps, it's it's good. I think we might do that when we get back. We might do that. Hawaii has a population of about 1.3 million people. I think that's more than the population of your state. I'm not sure. It's certainly more than Wyoming, where we spent the last week. We saw more cows in Wyoming than there are people in Hawaii, I think. 80% of those people live on our island. It's a small island, about 63 miles from the southern tip to the northern or to the western tip and uh, about 56,000 of them claim to be of Chinese ethnicity we appreciate your support but I truly I truly mean this we need prayer a pastor that uh, I met a pastor recently uh, out in Wyoming and uh, he had visited Hawaii last year he said I felt a spiritual oppression there and it's true. So we appreciate your prayers. We need that. We need your prayers. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 17 tonight, please. Luke chapter 17. If there's one thing that we can do that God delights in, what do you think it is? If there's an attitude that you and I can carry around in our hearts, what do you think That attitude is. We'll see that here in Luke chapter 17 in this story. It's an attitude that you and I need. And I don't know you personally, many of you, but I'm afraid I don't have this attitude much of the time. And this passage is a rebuke to me. I will go ahead and tell you that. It's a rebuke to me, and I say that because it might be a rebuke to you. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Are you there? All right, we're going to be spending some time in the Word of God, so we'll go verse by verse tonight through this story. I hope that's okay with you. I listened to your pastor preach on uh, YouTube, I think it was, or Facebook, I'm not sure, and I thought, what a blessing, he's going through the Bible verse by verse. I like that. You mentioned Martin Lloyd-Jones in one of the messages, how he preached 13 sermons on On John 17, I think it was. I'm listening to a book about that, about him. Just spend the time in the Word of God. There are two kinds of sermons, you know. There are two kinds of sermons. There are Nowadays, in independent Baptist circles, there are biblical sermons built on the Word of God. They might not necessarily be verse by verse, taking a long time, but they're built on the Word of God. They plainly expound the Word of God and challenge you to obey God's Word. The other kind of message other kind of sermon, they have been termed skyscraper sermons. They're, they take a verse, and then they build story upon story upon story upon story upon story. Yes. I pray that when I stand as a friend of God, as I, if, when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I will not be charged with preaching skyscraper sermons. Right, hey. So you should be thankful. If you're not, you should be thankful your pastor preaches the word of God. Luke chapter 17, there is a a dearth in this land. There is a famine in this land for Bible preaching. Luke chapter 17 verse 11, and it came to pass as he, the Lord Jesus, as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. What a story. When you read your Bible, do you put yourself in the sandals of those people? Can you imagine if you were that man? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of meeting together tonight. There is joy in the house of God. And I thank you, Father, that we can sing. Sing your word. What a blessing to sing scripture songs to sing your words in praise to thee. Thank you for this church. Thank you for their faithfulness to you to get the gospel to their city, to get the gospel out to the rest of the world through missions. Thank you, Father, for a lighthouse in this church, in Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. I pray, Father, you bless this message and bless your word. You've not promised to bless our stories. You've not promised to bless our illustrations, but you've promised to bless your word. And so as your word is proclaimed this evening, we pray that you would use it to glorify the Lord Jesus, to bring forth fruit to the glory of God, to bless your people, to challenge, to rebuke, to help your people. We pray that Jesus Christ would be glorified. And if someone's listening tonight who's never trusted Christ Let tonight be the night that they trust Jesus to be saved. We thank you for hearing us and loving us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now look in verse 11. The Bible says it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now you you that know your Bibles, you know that the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along very well. And the Galileans were looked down upon by those who were the in the know about Judaism. And yet Jesus went through, through, not around, but through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. We're hearing a lot these days about race problems. We're hearing a lot these days about be less of a certain color. (laughs) Thought I'd change the name of a of the house where the president lives, I suppose. Yeah. <coughs> Call it the Yellow House. That's <laughs> no, okay. You can joke about my my ethnicity. Uh, my skin may be yellow, but it's not thin. It's I'm okay. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans. They even disliked them. They called them dogs. Yeah. Yeah. But Jesus didn't avoid going near them, or to them. People today think the answer to the so-called race relations and the problems is to shame your own people, to somehow pay back another group of people for what your ancestors did. I don't know what i do, preacher. Half of me get reparations from the Japanese. I mean, literally, my grandmother ran away from Japanese bullets they were straight they strafed the road that she was on, carrying my uncle on her back. He told me. He remembers her jumping into a ditch to get away from the bullets. Well, what am I gonna do? Go to Japan and demand reparations? Well, half of me, I guess. <laughs> the other half does what? My white grandparents pick cotton, all right? So, okay. Let's enough of that. <laughs> enough of that. Enough of that. Jesus showed us what to do. That's right. He loved people. Yeah. That's right. Now, you can't help but see how someone looks. You can't help that. Yeah. You can't help how you look. That's right. That's right. You ladies can thank God that you are allowed to put on makeup. We, what can we do? Cut our hair. <laughs> Comb it. Yeah. Yeah. The other day, my, one of my boys said, Daddy, why don't you give yourself a haircut like you give us? I said, it looks good on you. I had a haircut like that and it didn't look good on me. We have to just deal with what we right, preacher, just deal with what we've got, you know? Jesus is the answer. And he showed us what to do. He loved people. In our neighborhood where we live in Hawaii, our neighbors are black. We've never talked about that. It doesn't come up, it's not a problem. We love our neighbors. Across the street, we have Japanese neighbors. On this side of the street, we have white neighbors. On this side of the street, we have white neighbors who think they're. No, 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 no. That's, that's somewhere else. Now, see, being mixed, I can say about anything, you know, I, I can. And I have friends who are of all, all kinds, all kinds. Jesus is the answer. And if you and I love. I'm sorry. If you and I love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ as and follow him as he lived, we'll see people the way he did. Yep. People made in the image of God. Yes, sir. That's right. yeah. Amen. People made in the image of God. Preachers, right. Preachers. Verse 12 says, as he entered into a certain village, and I just want to stop here just for a moment and say this, that this phrase ought to remind us that Jesus was on his way to the big city. The big city. Geographically big and politically big and religiously big. It was the big city. Yet, he did not ignore the villages. I like that. I like that. In 1970, a missionary came to our small town. I happen to live in that town now, today. In 1970... A missionary came to that town in 1965. He started a church. In 1970, he went to a place called Pu'ohala Village. He knocked on the door in Pu'ohala Village, and an 18-year-old boy answered the door. And to make a long story short, that 18-year-old boy became the first born-again Christian in his family. He was the seventh of eight children. And my dad, my dad, was that boy who answered the door. I'm glad Jesus went to the villages. When I try to meet people, I try to knock on doors and witness to people in Hawaii and wherever we are. I often have this thought. I'm looking for the next Kam Ching. He's out there somewhere and someone's going to reach him. I might as well try. Now, let's look quickly here. Through this verse, he entered into a certain village, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Lepers. Lepers. It's a dangerous disease, leprosy. It's dangerous because it kills the feeling in the body. People lose body parts because they get injured and they don't even know it. Someone could burn his hand and not feel it. Leprosy is like sin. It makes us dead to spiritual reality. We can't see how sinful we are. And we can't see the horror of sin. We can't see the wages of sin, which is death. We can't see it. We can't sense it. Sin desensitizes us just like leprosy desensitizes the body. These men were physically sick, and they teach us that we are spiritually sick. It says, There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Why do they stand afar off? It doesn't tell us how far off they stood, but it says they stood Afar off. Why did they stand afar off? Here, here are at least two reasons why. Number one, in Leviticus chapter thirteen, there is a scriptural command. A scriptural command. They had to stay far away because this was considered an, a contagious disease, as a picture of sin. It was a scriptural command. Also, it was a social custom. Society perpetually reminded them that they were. Dirty, that they were unclean, that they were unfit and undesirable to society. Can you imagine living like that? Always being told, you don't belong here. Always being reminded, you're not one of us. Always being told, you can't come in here. You can't come to synagogue. Can you imagine living here and and someone's standing there at the door, and, and you see someone come in, and you say, oh, you can't come in here because you have a disease. Have you been tested? <laughs> oh, that's my state. That's right. That's my state. That's where I live. <laughs> yeah. Can't even travel inner island now without a test. Because you're presumed guilty before you're proven innocent. Yep. Don't let Aww. me get on that. <laughs> <laughs> We are charged to preach the word. <laughs> it was a scriptural command. It was a social custom. But there was also a spiritual picture. And that is that in our sin, we have to stay far off from God. We are far from him. We're separated. We can't come nigh him. I've been preaching through Revelation chapter 5 through, for our Chinese ministry. I About a month ago, I thought I'd preach chapters 4 and 5 in one message. Ha! <laughs> Spent one message on Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. And then the next week, verse 3. And then the next week on Revelation chapter, uh, ver- chapter 4, verses f- uh, 4 and 10 and 11. And then finally I got to, I it's been more than a month now, Revelation chapter 5. I thought, I can. yeah, I, we can finish this. Nope. No, there's just too much there. And the reason I bring that up is this, I just forgot what it was. It's somewhere out there. This is the third sermon I've preached today. uh, And the the middle sermon was bilingual, so I've preached. This is my fourth sermon today. Where am I? South Dakota, yes. And where was I? The Lamb comes. John is, is tore up. He's weeping because no one is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof. And he weeps, but an elder, one of the 24 elders around the throne, comes to him and he says, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. But John didn't see a lion. I think John expected to see a lion. Mm -hmm. He expected to see this big, muscular, bold animal walk up. No. The next verse says, That he saw a lamb in the midst of the throne stand as it had been slain. That that is a strange sentence. How many of you have ever hunted, successfully hunted? Okay, I can raise my hand for the first part. (laughs) Hunted, yes, successfully. Uh, Squirrels don't count. (laughs) How many of you ever seen an animal after it's dead get back up and stand up and stand there? How many of you men have an animal head on your wall in your house? One? Only one? Two, three, okay, good, four, five, six, can I hear seven? How many of you men wish you had an animal that you shot on the wall? Okay, one, two, three, four... This is three years old. Yes. Good, good. Raise them right in South Dakota. Not a one of those animals gets back up after it's dead. I understand you can shoot an animal, can get up and run a little bit, but once it's dead, it doesn't stand back up. Is that not true? Or is this a city boy talking? I read books, you know. I, I, I can't experience that. I read books. You shoot an animal and it's dead and it doesn't get back up. There stood a lamb as it had been slain. You want to chew on that for a minute? How did that lamb stand if it had been slain? Because there was a resurrection. There was a resurrection. That lamb was slain From the foundation of the world, it was planned. This was no accident. This was no surprise to God that the Lamb of God came and died. Three years before he died, John pointed at him and called him the Lamb of God. John knew what he would do. And Jesus knew what he would do. At least three times in some of the Gospels, Jesus plainly told his disciples, they're going to take the Son of Man and crucify him. And the third day he will rise again. And they didn't get it. I wonder about those apostles sometimes. <laughs> I really do. And yet I see myself in them all the time. Yeah, that's right. I see, fear not, I am with thee. Yep. I'm I going to have to get a shot to go back home. The Lord knew who he was and what he was doing, and he stood because he rose again. Yes, sir. Now, I know where I'm going now. I, I got it. It came back. <laughs> Thanks for praying for me. I've been to some of those churches in West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. They get up and they say, Y'all pray for me. Didn't have any time to practice. I want to say, Sit back down, practice. and come back next week. I have many times said, amen, at the end of a song because they're done. <laughs> Just being honest. Hope that didn't give away a secret. You're right, brother. Come on. Yeah, yeah pray for me. Yeah. Pray for me now, preacher. <laughs> I'm glad preacher said amen. I guess I'm Okay. <laughs> the lamb stood. And Revelation 5 verse 7 says that the Lamb came near to the throne and He took the book out of the hand of, the right hand of Him that sat on the throne. Hey. Who can approach the throne of God? Chapter 4 is all about the throne. There are lightnings and thunders and there's there six winged creatures with eyes all over them praising God. The one who sits on the throne. It's a terrifying place. And I don't say that joking. I am not being flippant about this. It is a terrifying place. Lightning's going everywhere and smoke. But this one comes up. He, and not a word. And not a word from him who sits on the throne saying, Get away from me. In fact, Revelation 5 verse 6 says that the Lamb was in the midst of the throne. God doesn't share His glory with anybody. But this one is different. I wish we could get a hold of that. I wish we could get a hold of the fact that God is Holy, holy, holy. How do we even? The only way we know how to explain it in human terms is that holiness is the absence of sin. But God is not only holy in the absence of sin, He is holy in a positive way that we can't even comprehend. When the Lord told Peter to cast his net on the other side of his ship, and he did, and he hauled in that huge that huge haul of fish that he couldn't even bring in by himself and almost sunk the boat. When he, finally, when he finally got back to the shore, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, Depart from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He wasn't saying, Get away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. He was saying, I don't deserve to be in your presence. Please, just Please go away. I remember reading, when we first started that church, in uh, that area i see we're being live streamed so i'll be careful what i say when we started that church there i read a book called the incomparable christ by j oswald sanders i thought when i began that book i'm going to feel holy after i read this (laughs) after i read this book and the more i read that book the dirtier i felt Not dirty like I'm feeling dirty from reading this. but dirty because I was it was almost as if I was getting to know this holy, 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 Lord, God, Almighty, just a little bit better. I've been working through it again. It's been what, 10 years now. I've been working through it again. When you read your Bible, do you ever say to yourself, what a Savior? I mean, I don't know how to say it, anything better. What a Savior. Amen. Amen. What a Savior. Yes. I was reading Mark a few months ago, Mark chapter 10, where it talks about how he laid his hands on the little children. I started to cry. I'm not like that. I mean, I love my own children. I hold my own cho- I love my children. Other kids... I mean, if they're running, running in front of a bus, I'll stop it. Okay, I'll do that. But. <laughs> they're your kids, and they're out like a brat. You take care of it. That's not my job. It's your kid. I love my children. Jesus loved them all. The disciples were like me. He's busy. He's got busy, important things to do. The Lord said, hush. <laughs> Let them come to me. Them come to me. And he took them up on his knee and he touched them and he blessed them. What a savior. Who can come near to the Lord? And that's what it says here. It says they stood afar off. We're back in Luke 17. That's been a 15 minute diversion. (laughs) Because I just want to impress upon your hearts and your minds that we are just like these men. We don't deserve to be anywhere near Jesus. Not anywhere near Him. We, I, I know it's, it sounds like an exaggeration, but we don't deserve to be in the same universe with Him. Right. But He came near to them. Yes, sir. They stood afar off, but watch this. They stood afar off, but He came near to them. Verse 13, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, isn't it interesting they didn't call him Lord? They didn't call him Son of God. They didn't call him Messiah. They said, Jesus, Master. Master simply meant teacher, rabbi. Jesus did not say, now you call me by my right name or I won't listen to you. He didn't do that. They did. Excuse excuse me. He didn't say you didn't call me by the right title, but they did call the right name. They did call the right name. I saw a video clip recently of Billy Graham being interviewed by Robert Robert Shuler. How many of you know Robert Shuler? And, Mr. Graham, (laughs) what do you think about, all we have many people that watch our broadcast. And many of them would not call themselves Christians. What do you think about that? Now, I respect Billy Graham for his morals. He was a godly man. No scandals financially or morally, nothing like that. So from that, I respect, from that perspective, I respect the man. I would like to be like that. I hope all of us would. But in his later years, his doctrine went... Pfft. His son seems very straight on many things. Here's what Mr. Graham said. Well, I understand that there are many people around the world that uh, they've never heard of Jesus they've never heard the name of Jesus and so I believe that amongst the body of Christ around the world there will be people that call themselves Hindus and and Buddhists and even atheists that they believe on the name of Jesus they just don't know it and Mr. Shuler said this I'm so glad to hear you say that and I thought, I am so sad to hear you say that. I think you are too. We ought, to, we ought to grieve our hearts. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? Why does it even matter then? Why does it even matter? Why even preach the name of Jesus if they can believe on Him without even knowing it? They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And don't you know that when someone comes to him with a sincere heart, wanting what he has to offer, he doesn't say, no, 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 you've got to jump through some hoops first. Get your life cleaned up first. I'm afraid some of us independent Baptists, we want to make people jump through some hoops sometimes. Get yourself cleaned up before you come in here. When I was about 11 years old, I watched a man. We were sitting in uh, at a stoplight, and I had some friends. It was my birthday. My dad took me and some of my friends to look at some uh, tanks and things. I think there was a back when the military used to do that kind of thing, let kids crawl up in tanks and trucks and airplanes, and we loved it. You know, I would still do it now if I could. <laughs> we were in a van. At a stoplight. And this man walked across the street. Something kind of like this. I'm only slightly exaggerating. And I said to one of my friends, Hey, look at that dumb guy. My father. My father. Thank God for a daddy who scolded and corrected and spanked. and Put the fear of God in me. He turned around. He says, "Nathan, what did you say?" I said, "Look at that dumb guy." He says, "Why do you think he's dumb?" I said, "Well, he's walking like, like that." He says, "Do you know why he's walking like that?" Said, no, sir. He don't ever say that again. Man. Yes, sir. I don't think I have. You see people all the time that don't look like we do, don't act like we do, and it's easy to judge what they are. Now, I'm not going to invite a pedophile into my home. If someone acts a certain way toward children or toward women, he will not be in my home. But there are some people that just look differently than we do. They act a little bit differently than we do. I have an uncle (laughs) I have an uncle who does this. When he goes to sleep, he lies on his bed, and he does this. He is uh, 50-something years old. He has the mental capacity of about a five-year-old. He can barely write his own name. He'll never hold a job. He'll never get married. He says things like, uh. Uh-huh. It's weird. He's an unusual bird. But he's a human being. He's got a soul made in the image of God. We've got to be careful. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, they called the right name, and they knew the right thing to ask for. They didn't say no. Would you give us some social justice? Because eight generations back, your people did something bad to my people. They said, have mercy on us. You probably heard the story. A lady, an older lady, not very attractive. And age is not synonymous with not attractive. Sarah was beautiful in her old age, right? She was not very nice to look at. It hurt to look at her. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> you know, there are things in Chinese that just don't translate. Ta <laughs> Hao <laughs> Joseph, Samuel. And she just, was, she, she didn't look very nice. She would not be on the cover of a magazine. You know, they, you know, by the way, young men, don't look at those things. Amen. You go to the grocery store, those are not real women. They've been airbrushed. They've been touched up with a computer. That's not what they look like. And no human being looks the way most of those women look. You look at that stuff and you look at other things that go beyond that. And you'll think that's what to expect. And that's not reality. And you'll ruin your mind. And you'll ruin your heart. And you'll ruin your life. And you'll ruin your marriage someday. Filling your head with the wrong stuff. Now this lady, in this story, she wouldn't have been on the cover. They wouldn't wouldn't have been able to airbrush. They would have airbrushed over her. She was sitting for a painting. Apparently she had some money. So she was sitting for her portrait and she said to the, port, the, the portraiture, my the only French word I know, just made it up just now. She said to the painter, do me justice. <laughs> he said, mademoiselle, you don't need justice, you need messy." <laughs> now my friends, you and I don't need justice. We don't need justice. And these men understood it. All this talk about social justice, social justice, social justice. If we got the justice that we deserve, we wouldn't be breathing. Red or yellow or black or white, it doesn't matter. They said, have mercy on us. And mercy defined is getting, uh, not getting the punishment, the bad that we deserve. They didn't even say, be gracious to us. Be gracious would have meant, give us something that we don't deserve. They said, have mercy on us, which means don't give us what we deserve. Have some compassion on us. In verse 14, and when he saw them, he said unto them something very strange. Go, show yourselves unto the priests. Why did he say that? Why did he say, go show yourselves unto the priests? Because that was the requirement of the law in Leviticus chapter 14. This shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought unto the priest. And yet, as far as I know, in all the Old Testament and in the rabbinical writings, there was never someone cleansed of leprosy who went to the priest. One leper I know of, he was not an Israelite. He was a Syrian army captain. But he didn't go back to the, to the Jewish priest. <laughs> this had never been done. It was commanded in Scripture that if someone is cleansed, he's to go to the priest and show. And the priest was looking at him and said, okay, you're clean. But it had never happened. It had never happened. It had never happened. 1,500 years or so. never happened. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go, show yourselves unto the priests. Now what that meant was... <laughs> I am having mercy on you. Go do what Leviticus 14 says. When you get to the priest, they're going to say, maybe there's no word for it. I don't know how you say ayah in Hebrew. In Chinese, we say ayah. By the way, Chinese people do not say ah soul. We don't do that. That's TV stuff. <laughs> These priests would have said, what happened to you? And they would have said, we met a man named Jesus. And he told us to come show ourselves to you. What a testimony that was, that was about to, that would have been, that was. <laughs> The Bible says in Luke 17, 14, it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. By obeying what Jesus said, they proved that they believed him. In this dispensation of grace that we live in, we're not saved by doing an action or a ritual, simply believing on Christ. Now, the old Reformers, Martin Luther, I uh, almost said Martin Lloyd-Jones. I'm getting my, my brain mixed up on this fourth sermon today. <laughs> Martin Luther and uh, John Calvin and uh, Eurix Zwingli and John Hus, they had some things wrong. They did. They had some things very wrong, but they had a few things right and very right. Sola gratia, by grace alone. Sola fide, through faith alone. Solus Christus, by Christ alone. That's good. And you can forget the Latin, but don't forget the English. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. These men believed what Jesus said, and their actions proved it. Verse 15 says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, May I pause right there just for a moment? (laughs) When he saw that he was healed, there was a time in my life before I was born again that I wondered if I was saved. And the reason I wondered if I was saved is because I was always pointing back to when I was seven years old, I prayed the prayer. And I wondered, and I wondered, and I wondered, am I saved? But when I was 17... I trusted Christ and the Lord Jesus saved me. I believed that he died for me. I believed that he rose from the dead. I trusted his blood to cleanse and wash my sins away. And now I don't have to wonder about it anymore. And if a shadow of doubt creeps into my mind, solus Christus, by Christ alone, (laughs) in Christ alone. So La fide, so la gracia, by faith alone. by grace alone and Christ alone. He knew he was healed. He saw it. It says when he saw that he was healed. Imagine with me, I hope it's OK to walk in front of the speakers. Where is the speaker preacher. all over the place. You get feedback. All right, let's, let's be careful. If it does, I'll jump back. Let's imagine that he was over here with Jesus. Jesus told him, Go your way, show yourself to the priest. And as he went, he was along with, the, with all the ten. He was one of the ten. They were on their way. Okay, we don't know what's going on. Okay, we'll do what he said. imagine when he saw that he was healed. And then it says he turned back. He turned back. Now he was going to do, he was on his way to do what the Lord Jesus told him to do. But he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, verse 16, and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. Luke seems to like to record the fact that people came to Jesus' feet. You know, A few different places in the Gospel of Luke that that Luke recorded people fell down at Jesus' feet when when the Lord cast a legion of devils out of a man in Luke chapter 8. He sat at Jesus' feet hearing Jesus' words, clothed and in his right mind. In Luke chapter 8 again, Jairus fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him to come and heal my little daughter. And in Luke chapter 10, Mary sat at Jesus' feet hearing his word. Luke seemed to like that, to record that. It seemed to resonate with him. Maybe it was something about his his medical doctor profession. He liked that. People sitting at the feet of the master. People falling at the feet of the master in humility and gratitude. And this man, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. He wasn't even supposed to be partaking of this kind of blessing. He wasn't one of God's chosen people. He was a Samaritan. And here he was going to a Jewish priest. What a testimony that was about to be. Go to a Levitical priest and tell him, uh, Yeshua, I met a man named Yeshua, the Messiah, I mean the, 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 the rabbi, the teacher, the master, and he told me to come to you and show myself to you. Can you imagine what the Levite would have said? Thought? Not only does he heal, but he heals Samaritans. Who is this? Who is this one? The most unexpected of people. Not even one of the Lord's chosen. The most unclean of people. A leper. Isn't it funny how the people that seem to appreciate the grace of Jesus Christ the most are those who understand the most what he saved us from? Hmm. Hmm. Clothes, we think, make the man. That's not true. Clothes might reveal the man, but clothes don't make the man. I can wear a suit all day. That does not make me anything. I've worn a tuxedo once on the scariest day of my life. I'm honest with you. Well, when I got that phone call from an authority on that other country, that was the scariest day of my life. But Before that, I wore a tux. Wearing a tux didn't make me any different. I had to undress out of it and put on regular clothes and it was all done. My boys and I got into a river in Yellowstone a few days ago. Got our feet all dirty and we're smelly, sleeping in a tent for a week. You got to smell these boys' socks. They said, it's you, Dad. I said, it's not me. That's you. Did you know that no smell the human body produces is good? You ever think about that? Think about that. You and me both. What a reminder. What a reminder. The people who appreciate His grace the most are the ones who understand the most what He's cleansed us from. I never appreciated a shower more than Thursday night. Between the time that we took a shower at your home on Sunday night and Thursday night. Not a shower. I'm a modern American man. I take a shower every day, twice if I can. Oh, that shower felt so good. No, I I got into a river in Yellowstone, and that that doesn't count. You You know, you don't know what's been upstream. There's bison up there. There's elk up there. There's bear up there. There's all kinds of things upstream. I'm glad I got a shower. But that reminds me of all these silly things that I'm saying. They remind me of how weak we are, of how defiled we are, of how much we need cleansing. The body gets stinky. The body falls apart. The body grows stuff that flakes off of our heads. (laughs) Joints get achy. I'm a fairly young man. I've got a bad knee already it's just this thing is falling apart i have to wear glasses i can't even read up close with my glasses anymore i gotta take them off falling apart why i'm a human being what's your element we need cleansing we need healing but more so this body just reminds us that we've got a soul that needs some help we've got a soul that needs healing We've got a soul that needs cleansing. And this man was cleansed and he appreciated He came back. He said, thank you to Jesus. Verse 17, and Jesus answering said, were there not 10 cleansed? By the way, when he said, were there not 10 cleansed? He did not say, did I not send 10 away to be cleansed? Were there not ten cleansed? He knew that when he sent them away and they obeyed him, when they believed what he said and they obeyed by going to the priest, on the way, they would be healed. He knew that. He didn't have to see their hands or their chest or the back of their neck to know that they were healed. He said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine There are not found that return to give glory to God, save, or the word save, save here means except, this stranger, maybe the other nine, were Jews, I don't know, but this man was a stranger, this man was a non-Jew, this man was a Samaritan, and he was the only one who came back. Verse 19, and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Only one came back. Only one came back to give thanks. Only one came back in the story. But here is the, here is the part of the story that blows my mind. I began thinking as I studied this passage several months back, I said, you know what? Who else thanked Jesus in the four Gospels? Who else said thank you to Jesus? What I found out? Nobody. No one recorded. Ever came back to the feet of Jesus and said, thank you for what you've just done for me. He pulled Peter out of the water. Peter didn't say thank you, as far as we know. He raised up Jairus' daughter. She was at the point, she, she had died. <laughs> he raised her up, not a word of thanks. They were happy, they were rejoicing, not a word of Thanks. The widow of Nain, her son was dead. Jesus touched the bed and he woke up. Hi, Mom. Have some biscuits and gravy. Not a word of thanks. This is the only man. In this story, he's the only man. And in the four gospels, the only one who returned to give thanks to God. At the beginning of this message, I asked a question. What is the one thing that we can do that God delights in that we often don't do? Well, that I often don't do. I don't know about you. I've got to say that again. I don't know about you, but I know myself. I am a prideful, selfish, self-centered, self-serving man. What a confession for a man of God to make. But it's true. I like what a preacher friend of mine in North Carolina said. He said, before I got saved, he talks like this, before I got saved, I was a proud, selfish, arrogant angry man after i got saved i was a proud selfish arrogant angry man meaning the lord is still changing me i'm just a sinner saved by god's grace i want to be holy i strive for holiness but i'm just can you say the same thing or is it just me only one returned to give thanks. Now, you and I cannot change anybody else. There was a lady in our church that um, she, she had a very difficult family situation, very, very difficult family situation, and uh, that had affected her, her, uh, her way of thinking, but she would often ask me, how do I change this person in my life, and how do I, ch-? I said, we can't change anybody else. I said, even Jesus on the cross, there only one thief believed on him. Even Jesus didn't force the other one to believe on him. I said, Jesus didn't do it. We certainly can't. This man was the only one. And here's what I think when I read this passage. Lord, I don't know. I don't know who else is giving you thanks the way you should receive it. I don't know who is living for you. I don't know who is trying to live in a spirit of thanksgiving. I don't know. I know many people who are saved. I've seen God do amazing things in people's lives through the preaching of His Word, the work of the Holy Spirit, prayer. But I don't know unless they say something. And I can't change what they do. I cannot control how they respond to your grace. But Lord, if no one else returns to give thanks, I'll be the one. I'm not saying that all these, I've said many things tonight about I this and I that. I don't say that to point to myself. I truly don't. I just know myself. And I think maybe I'm speaking for somebody else. The preacher ought to be a kind of a mirror for the congregation. It's a very simple message, wonderful story. Can't improve on the story. The message is very simple. And the challenge is very simple. Are you living in a spirit of thanksgiving? Which one are you? Ten men were sent off to the priests to be healed. Not to go to the priests to be healed, but sent off, and by faith they were healed. One man saw he was healed, turned around, went back to Jesus, and said, thank you. And because that man, that one man, came back to the Lord with a spirit of thanksgiving, with an attitude of gratitude, the Lord said those precious words at the end of the story only to that one man. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now the rest of them, they were healed physically. I don't know if they ever got a glimpse of who, that, who he was that healed them like that man did. This man got a little more than physical healing. I happen to think that maybe when the Lord said to him, thy faith hath made thee whole, he was telling him, you're complete now. I didn't just take care of your physical problem. I took care of your soul problem. I took care of your sin problem. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And I think maybe that when the Lord said to him, Arise, go thy way. Maybe he was like the Ethiopian eunuch who when he realized what he'd just gotten, he went on his way rejoicing because the Lord had done something for him. The Lord did something for this man. The Lord did something for this man who came back to Jesus with the right attitude. You that are parents understand that. We don't just want obedience. These nine obeyed. But the one came back obeying with the right attitude. We celebrate Thanksgiving every year. We ought to have Thanksgiving every day. We ought to have Thanksgiving every day. Here's a a challenge for you. Every morning, wake up and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for making me. Thank you for saving me. That sums it up, you know. Now, he's done a whole lot more, but those three things sum it up. He loved you. He made you. He saved you. Sunday night crowd, probably most of you are saved. I understand. I hope so. I just said, He loved you. That's true for all of us. He made you. That's true for all of us. He saved you. Is that true for all of us? Can you... Sincerely and truly and confidently come to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, like this one here, thank you. Thank you for cleansing my sin. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for saving me. This man can say over 25 years ago or so, I trusted Christ and he saved me. I am saved. I can confidently say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. Many of you can say the same thing. But if you can't, would you please, please, tonight, would you please make sure? Get that cleared up, get that settled. And when I say come to Jesus, I don't necessarily mean come here and pray. You can do that, I'm sure. But when I say come to Jesus, I mean trust Him. (laughs) Let me make it plain and clear. Trust Him. He loved you. He died for you. He will save you. If you'll do what these men did, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for loving us. We thank You for making us and giving us life and breath. And we thank You for saving us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you to bless your word. The message has been preached and I trust that whatever else needs to be added, Pastor Brooks will add and finish it out. We pray that you would guide your people to respond. If there's a lost person here tonight, please help that one or those ones to come to Jesus, thanking him for dying for them on the cross, thanking him for rising from the dead, and trusting Him to save them from sin. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for loving us. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.